0: Welcome into the Soccer OG, glad to have you back on the show. I am Max Bretos, I have another good program to get to. Before I do, I want to get something off my chest, so I want to do it right at the top of the show. I have been frequenting many watering holes, public houses, restaurants, bars, you name it, stadiums, arenas, and a really bad trend is developing. It never used to be this bad, but it's getting that bad and i just want to i want to speak heart to heart to all the gentlemen out there cuz this is a man problem we have a lot of single gender bathrooms that we share and i know the women aren't doing this guys there's a big target there there's a big target but every toilet that i walk and look down at is sprayed with urine sometimes it's on the floor now i'm not i don't want to be casting stones here i've been guilty of it myself but i'm making a concentrated effort i'm making a concentrated effort to hit the target and you should too because it's disgusting and it's making us look bad it's like every if it's every it's every toilet i go into every single one i look down i go oh boy some a lot worse than others maybe gonna practice on a dartboard i don't know But just look down, lock in, and deliver. Just want to say that, okay? Trying to start every show with a very profound commentary. And that's the one for this week. (laughs) Appreciate you guys joining me here on the Soccer OG. Don't forget to rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. Coming up in the business end, I'll be joined by fellow MLS season pass Apple TV announcer Moises Linares. This is a guy... Who had to do it the hard way to get into this industry? He has a really good story to share. So if you're if you want to get into sports media, this is a guy you should model who had to you know get out of his comfort zone and do it. We'll talk about MLS, we'll talk about the Gold Cup, we'll talk about the US men's national team, we'll talk about his home country of El Salvador. We'll talk a lot about what's happening in Europe as well. Coming up in stoppage time. Uh, Brian Sharetta, who has been on this show before, said it has been maybe the roughest weekend for Americans abroad. We'll break that down. And what has to happen with our golden generation of players who are hitting a wall in Europe? And what do they do to hit the reset button? This is the Soccer OG. Let's get started. (laughs) Lost a great one this week. This week, uh, Gordon Lightfoot to me the one of the great storytellers, Canadian um, songwriter and musician. Uh, he was actually going to perform here in LA, and then he canceled it because of health issues, and then uh, we lost him. So I, I, I'd be—I'm a bit of an old soul, when I listen to that uh, that music, and I will tell you, man, that if you haven't, I mean, it's obviously if we're listening to Bad Bunny and others. Other uh, it, it's it's tough for the younger crowd to maybe relate to it, but. Um, I listened to the whole songbook, maybe because it was in my household, and I I know all the songs, I used to put in a tape and do these long road trips, and Gordon Lightfoot's music used to make these road trips just, that time would get eaten up, and you'd sing it with your arm out, sun hitting it, I vividly remember it, and you obviously knew that these days would come, but uh, I just want to let you know how much that music meant to me. Um, we lost Burt Bacharach I know I sound like a geezer right now but I, I'm pretty hip man I'm pretty hip I go to a lot of shows I see a lot of I almost went to Coachella but I couldn't pull it at the end but uh, that's something that I certainly want to do and uh, music, going to concerts is my favorite thing uh, I saw Gordon Lightfoot a couple times not the greatest concert experience it's very quiet in there but uh, it, it was nice did it. I'll, I'll listen to his music and rest in peace Gord good dude Great music, and Canada should be very proud of that. To our all Canadian listeners, I am very sorry for your loss, because uh, I think, you know, Canada, you think of the great musicians that they had. You think of Neil Young and Rush and Gordon Lightfoot. That's the big three for me from Canada. Let's get into the soccer topics. Uh, incredible game this weekend in the Premier League I wanted to touch on. I think everyone's talking about it, and that is uh, Liverpool and Tottenham Hotspur, a game that went back and forth some big issue ishi- officiating gas that were uh, not uh, uh, acknowledged um Liverpool with this last gasp victory after Tottenham Hotspur were out of it and came back to tie it to He son. by the way He Charlison doing the the bird celebration and Son Heung-min joining him with that celebration and I'm like son what are you doing that guy was doing that dance all over South Korea in the World Cup. How could you j- join in with him? I mean, he was burying South Korea with that bird dance. I know I watched it with my South Korean in-laws. So uh, I just want to talk a couple things about that. And, you know, the, the VAR implementation and, you know, the, Diogo Jota uh, had this elevated foot. I mean, granted, uh, there was no intent behind it, but, you know, he hit skip, the, the Spurs player, right in the forehead. It should have been a red card. And Giotto hits the game-winning goal a little bit later. But it brings up questions to the implementation of here. I mean, that should be, you know, you see a foot up there and it hits someone's head. I don't care if it was intentional or not. Red card. And it came back to to haunt them. And then Liverpool are upset. Uh, apparently, there's a, a long-lasting beef between Jurgen Klopp and the coach, the referee, Paul Tierney. By the way, Paul Tierney, to me, every time it's like a referee that's always in it, is in deep. I don't know what his his uh, his style is, but it's rubbing some people the wrong way. But I, every time I see Paul Tierney, it seems like he's a little bit behind the play. I, I could see it. But I just want to say, you know, Jurgen Klopp, it's a video that's gone viral. And he uh, he ran at the fourth official to kind of go, ah, I told you after the game winner by Jota. And he pulled his hamstring i got to say, man, this abuse of the fourth official is getting really, really old. To the point where maybe they get rid of the fourth official on that sideline. You know, Mikel Arteta has been getting a lot of press about it. It's just like they act, they just act terribly. And then you also have now Jurgen Klopp, who I, you know, I adore as a coach. But, I mean, chill out. Maybe get rid of that fourth official because all they do is get abused there. I mean, that was kind of a new phenomenon, right, where they had that. I mean, who wants to be a fourth official? Eh. I mean, officials go to the beat of a different drummer, maybe they appreciate it, but I'm here to stick up for them. I thought it really, it was, it was very, very poor. Uh, the relegation picture, I mean, I kept saying here that Leeds are getting relegated. They lost again, and they lost badly and to Bournemouth, who are now safe. Uh, we're going to talk about Americans abroad and the, the rough go at it, but Bournemouth is American-owned, and they're staying up, so there's a silver lining. Leeds have one point in 15. I think they've allowed 18 goals in those five games. And yet, everyone behind them keeps floundering. So they're out of the bottom three. This is huge for us here in the United States. We need Leeds to stay up because uh, it'll decimate that. Weston McKinney's on loan there. Um, He'll probably leave either way, but better chance to stay if they're up. And then what Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams, I think, are going to stick with Leeds, and they'll go down to the championship. We don't need more players in the championship. But maybe they're going to get help from behind. Maybe they don't have to win it. We talked to uh, uh, Manuel Faith last week about the Bundesliga race. And he made a really good point. And, I mean, uh, Bayern Munich won this weekend. But they were far from impressive against Hertha. And unfortunately for Dortmund, they tied Bochum. I love saying that. 1-1. And now Bayern are back in front by a point, and there are uh, four games to go. I, I, I believe in what Manuel said that Bayern just aren't playing like Bayern, so Dortmund should be able to get it. But you can't drop points at Bochum. Nobody wants to win stuff. We're in the week before the Champions League. Looking forward to uh, you know Man City again. I'm telling you this now. I'm just going to put it on record. Man City is going to run through Real Madrid. They are going to advance comfortably. I'm thinking uh, like a 5-2 goal aggregate. This is the year for Man City. I know I said that in the past, but the difference is, well, really two differences because you have not only Erling Haaland, but you have Julian Alvarez who scored this the goal of the weekend and they have so much to throw at you, so much depth in these attacking positions in particular everyone's happy that's the thing about Man City right some guys don't play all the time do you hear complaining a little bit from Kevin De Bruyne for a moment but do you hear complaining when they're not in the 11 no did you hear from Jack Grealish now that he's a featured player no that's a good that's good coaching that's a good management that they're all on board and Julian Alvarez hasn't said a peep despite having to generally be the backup although he did start with Erling Holland in there So I think they're going to rip through Real Madrid. And then whichever Milan team makes the final is going to feel the wrath as well. Lock it in. Lock it in. This is the year. There is no doubt about it. I've been pretty good with my predictions lately. The only one is Leeds. uh, And that's because no one wants to pass them. Uh, Napoli didn't want to win either. Napoli, what's going on? I mean, they had a chance to celebrate at the Maradona Stadium in front of their fans. It could have been a magical moment. I was tuned in. I wanted to see it. And then Salernitana scores. Our guy Memo Ochoa had a great game. that won one, so now Napoli's going to win it, but they're going to do it away. There's videos of kids crying at home, and I'm, it's a it's a huge miss. It's a huge miss. You're at home. Ah, these teams are killing the romance. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot to get to. We have a nice conversation with Moises Linares of Apple TV, who also is. Uh, Uh, in the Washington, D.C. local market, covering all the sports there, Uh, nationals, Washington commanders, you name it. So we'll talk to him about getting in the business. Really good conversation. I already recorded it. In stoppage time, we'll have a brief discussion about Americans abroad and how bad it's getting and what's going on with our golden generation, how they hit that reset button. Check me out on my YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. We have a video about that golden generation out right now and uh i'd love to interact with you so leave a comment on youtube leave a comment on my social media i will do my best to respond to it i do like the discourse this is the soccer og the business end is next welcome into the business end uh gentlemen uh i uh, i got to see this weekend what um wait Moises Linares, who, who got his start at Fox Soccer Channel, what was that like 20 years? Ago? Not 20 years ago, is it?
1: <laughs> nah, it was it hasn't been that long, but it's been I would say 13 15. years? 14. So not even close to 20 years. Yeah.
0: I can't tell time anymore, Moises.
1: <laughs> I it, can it see just that. It,
0: it all blends in and it goes by. Plus, you you're like twenty-eight years old, so there's no way it could have been twenty years old because you weren't eight at the time.
1: No, no, no! I'm actually. I just turned 38, man.
0: Hey, happy birthday! If yeah. you if you know, no, Moises looks very, very young. But the only reason I could say that you're that age is because I I can tell time, and I can I process it through the years and say, okay, this was back in 2000, whatever, and that's how I figured it out. But here we are again, together again.
1: Yeah, yeah. It seems like yesterday, honestly. When I think about how much how much time has passed, and I look back at we what we've done and i remember those days mls um what was it uh, saturday ticket box was going run. we've seen a lot of a lot of growth in soccer for the us
0: yeah so if if so people want to get in the business i uh, i highly recommend you kind of look at what moises did because there's no shortcuts took a hard tra- trip you're you're la based yeah, an opportunity in in Washington D.C. and you worked all the local uh, markets there, and while still keeping an eye on becoming a a soccer broadcaster in English and Spanish, and now you're doing Apple TV in Spanish, but you were, you you do a lot of stuff in English. You're an American kid and um trying to find a pathway in this this business, which is it's very tough. We know that Moses, but uh, I mean, tell us a little bit about uh, that path that you had to take. Going, uh, you know, out of school and trying to get into sports because you also you in D.C. You cover all the 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 major sports as well, but also trying to get into this this soccer space.
1: I mean, I think when you come from South Central Los Angeles or any neighborhood that's like South Central around the country, you have one thing that gets you through those tough moments, and that's like grits. Right? you develop this grit that helps you push through difficult times, overcome adversity. And I remember graduating college thinking I made it, that's it, I've arrived, I'm gonna have my TV job and it doesn't quite work that way. So I had I had to start doing the rounds in Los Angeles working for smaller outlets, direct TV sports under Cesar Sutil who's very known in Southern California, a, a great uh, great mentor and director back then.
0: And, and he's I involved
1: decided, in Apple TV. I saw yeah, the other. He's involved. Yeah, he's I yeah. haven't had the opportunity to work with him, but I remember just working under him and listening and paying attention. And from there, he just pushed me to Fox. And at Fox, it was the same thing. And I get there and I start logging tape and running um, shot sheets for the talent. And the one thing I did was, well, I, I've said this story to people. I um, I remember hearing from, I believe, it was julio you remember julio julio, julio galvez with. julio galvez where he asked me he asked me what is it that you want to do what do you want to do in life and i said i, I want to do play by play so he said to me well there's a guy you should look at and i said who and he goes max brettos and i'm like <laughs> really? and That's i said why and guy that, the guy that julio right he told me how you had worked your way up and I said, well, I have to go and shadow this guy. And I remember shadowing you and seeing how hard you were working. And to the point that I, I remember specific things that you might not recall that now I understand better. The fact that sometimes you're doing multiple games, you're doing shows, you're tired. And I remember because one day I was in, I was a production assistant and I made fun Uh-oh. of you because <laughs> you said it was, I think it was Bolivia was playing. And we were talking about Bolivian greats and you meant to say michel uh, you meant platini sanchez
0: platini sanchez erwin platini sanchez
1: and you said michel platini it's <laughs> <laughs> a mistake that happens to all of us and i remember getting on you because of that you were irritated <laughs> and i'm like what a-
0: <laughs> maybe i was in my fifth game of the day i was like, ah, get yeah, out no here, no kid.
1: for sure for sure it, it had been multiple games but it was a lesson that i learned like sometimes you're going to have to work extra hard and things like this are going to happen to you anyways long story short I did the one thing that many people weren't willing to do. So my schedule was all over the place. I would go in at five in the morning on certain days, and I would go in at two and get out at 10. When I would get out at 10 p.m. and everyone left the building, I had learned how to program the booth to put a game on and start practicing. So I would pop in every other night. I was in the booth, and sometimes I would tell the guys, hey, you want to help me call this game for 30, 40 minutes and as people were helping me out, and eventually it was just me by myself. And I would call these games and I remember recording the tapes and taking it to the different talent and just asking them, uh Keith Costigan, and like saying, Hey, listen to this tape. What do you think? And they would tell me, Oh, well, you should work on this. Some people help me out, other people just blew me off, and that's the way this works. Yeah. And, uh, fast I blew, I
0: blew you off a couple times.
1: I don't I wouldn't say you blew me off. I just think that. Now that I'm here, where I'm at, in the position that I'm at, I have people coming up to me. And I think you get really busy that it becomes difficult to manage five or two shows. But I think that you've acknowledged the the fact that, hey, you know, that I looked for you. And I remember you giving me advice that helped me out a lot. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know this. You don't know this. You don't remember. You know that I wrote a book. I I knew that I did, but I you know I I want
0: to write a book. I know no one's going to pick up and read it. Maybe a few people, but I want to write a book.
1: People, I mean, you shouldn't think about it that way. If you, I know, I, sh-
0: I know, I shouldn't be thinking about it that way. because There's a lot of work to write
1: a book. It is, but you have a lot of knowledge. You have the experience to back you up. Where people are going to be interested in? in but Moises, the I also
0: want to write a book. It's going to be kind of a tell all because in my early days in this business, uh, I did some things that maybe. Me- we're a little bit off kilter, right. and I want to. But if I'm going to if I'm going to open up, I want to say everything. And I kind of did the
1: same. Yeah. So this is what you do: you change the name of the characters. I change your name. You don't have. You're not Max Bretos in my books. You're something. You're someone else. And I change the company's name that I work for. And some other companies I didn't name just because of like mm-hmm. legal issues. You want to avoid those problems. So I tell a story within the book of one day me going to me. Actually, pitching a story, an MLS story, about somebody who is playing for Chivas USA, and I say, "Hey, I have an exclusive interview. This guy's from the." Hood. Banco it's-
0: Valencia. I'm just no. kidding. I'm just. I'm not just. I'm just kidding.
1: It it, it happens to be Herson Mayan, right? Whose family? Oh yeah,
0: Mayan. who's a Salvadorian. I, I did yeah. an interview with him. Bro,
1: Mo- Moises
0: is a Salvadorian family, uh, which we you know they're great people here in LA, and a, a, a huge foundation stone of this city. Okay, go okay. ahead.
1: Listen to me, listen to me, because this is going to take a twist. You're not even going to, you're not even, I don't think you've ever even thought about this. So I pitched this story. I have the end. It's going to be the, I think it's his first one on one interview. He's coming into the league. Remember, he got chosen from one of those special shows. Like he got selected to play for Chivas USA. He had came up through the ranks, Arsenal FC, one of the best clubs throughout the past 20 years in Southern California. So, anyways, uh, I pitched the story. They're like, no. And I said, I'll give you the story, but there's only one condition. I get to do it. And they're like, let me let, let us think about it. And they said, no. So I said, then I won't give you the story. So I played that card, which was very dangerous. <laughs> and I say, then they come to me a couple of days after They're like, fine, we'll let you do the story. We'll get some B-roll. So they sent me to um, Home Depot Center back then by myself. I got a B-roll of him training, um, warming up. Then I wrote, I did the research, and I did everything, and I show up because I was supposed to do the story. And then I'm there, ready to go, and here comes Max Bretos. He doesn't oh. know. And then the person in charge, who I'm not going to name, says, Max is doing the story. What? Is that how yeah. it happened? That's how it happened. So I give you my notes, and you just look over the questions, and you're like, all right, cool. You sit down, you do the story. I remember and- that. And Yeah, do the story.
0: So and all I'm your work, all yes. that work you did, and I just swooped in, and I, I had no idea. I had no it idea. Was it was not your
1: fault. It was not your fault. It was not your call. I what was, a messed
0: up business, dude.
1: Yes, I was surprised, and I was heartbroken. I was this and where I wanted to quit in that moment. And, like, Herson and the family told me, if you're not doing the story, we'll, we won't do it. We'll tell them no. And I said, no, no, no. I said, it's my job. Just do it. It's fine. I'll figure it out. So then I, I what I did was I turned it around. And I asked, let me do the Spanish story just for for my resume, for my reel. I just want to have it. And they're like, all right, cool. You can do the Spanish story. So I did the same questions in Spanish. I take it back to the station. I edited your story. And then I handed it out to the next person who made it look very polished. And then I was editing my story in Spanish at the same time. And I said, F this. I'm going to get this story on TV some way, somehow. Day comes, game day comes. Stories are running at halftime. English story runs Spanish story we're still using tapes I yeah. take the tape I give it to <laughs> the speaker, and I said hey um Port- Sergio Portillo says we're using the story he like he looks at me like are you sure and I said yeah that's what he told me and he goes like okay so they play the story here's my tv debut national debut international because you can see Fox Deportes in different countries and there, am, there I go uh stand up and all my first tv story producers come out talent come out they just looked at me and they're like wow you have some big cojones and they're like but you did good congratulations and i thought i've made it i'm here and then i met and then i met i met met a guy well actually i wasn't working under a guy i'm not gonna say his name but i'll give you his initials you know who it is jg (laughs) he, he just made my life he made, after that, after that moment, he made my life a living hell for doing that.
0: Look at to this. The, this is a good chapter of the book, huh?
1: Bro, to to the point that I left and I moved on to, to work for other smaller media outlets. And I just tried to take advantage of every opportunity, whether it was writing, whether it was on camera, interviewing. And I just did that. And I just did that for a couple of years until a few stations came knocking and they offered me a job. And then I just decided to come to Washington, D.C., and I started from the bottom, and here we are. It started but from thinking, the
0: bottom, now you're here.
1: Yeah, <laughs> always, thinking, always thinking I want to be a play-by-play announcer. And I found my way to D.C. United, and I was getting paid chump change, but it didn't matter because the goal was I got to get better. I got to get better. I got to get better, and that was something that I repeated to myself every single day. And you know the last two years patience the two years, yeah the last two years i did on, i did play by play on tv and that's how i ended up on apple tv
0: yeah going a long way from home which a lot of people don't do either which you uh, you mentioned things that people don't do is to get out of their comfort zone and you know dc's a great city but it's not it's not home for you it's far away uh, and you've been there for how long
1: 11 years already
0: 11 years and that's a. Uh, you find that he's covered all the, the pro sports teams there. And then obviously doing play by play. And I love how you stood with it because I think when, you know, when people ask me and I went to ESPN and I did SportsCenter, center, it was great. But at the end of the day, I was like, I want to do soccer play by play. It's the most for me. And I know for you, the most fulfilling thing uh, to do. And it's the most liberating thing because when you cover sports and I watch a lot and you know, I was watching NBA last playoffs and, um, Stanley Cup playoffs, because I'm from Miami, the Florida Panthers pulled off a big upset. So suddenly I'm a hockey fan again. You yeah. watch baseball. I don't know how people want to do baseball. It, to me, it would be, I have so much respect for those guys, but that's really hard and tedious. But soccer, you you have this first half. You can't be overproduced because you don't have commercials. So you really dictate it and you do all the storytelling. And there's not much anyone in a truck or a booth can change that. They can change it by maybe pulling you from the game for next week if they didn't like it. But you really get into that rhythm, and uh, for storytelling, it's it's unbelievable. And then you have those 45 minutes or more where it's kind of uninterrupted. So everything I have done, I, I that is the thing I like to do the most. I, I sense it with you. I talk to other guys in this business, and it is the same thing. A couple things about your story. Julio Galvez was you know a production assistant. He stayed there. He was the nicest guy. He was from Honduras. We had a really cool setup. I mean, I want to do a book on Fox Sports World, Fox Soccer Channel, and the personality. Some of the things that happened, some of the weird things that happened, because it really was the beginning of soccer coverage in this country, and I will not budge on that. So when we watch NBC and CBS and all these other people covering the leagues in in, an incredible fashion, I don't think it would have been possible if it didn't have this little gritty channel that was uh, pumping out all the leagues at the same time off tape
1: every every league Italian league Champions League uh MLS Mexico. Colombian
0: Mustang League
1: yeah Copa Libertadores Copa Li Brasileiro Copa Americana everything, everything. You could imagine was was coming out cuz they of, gave
0: it they gave the leagues to us for free
1: no one else wanted <laughs> to cover these leagues
0: nobody wanted to show nobody yeah. wanted we we knew we were showing them not, I mean but and I guess that's correct we would have the the city on French League the Premier League and people really didn't want to put them on a a, a network. We didn't have yeah. streaming or anything back then. But no one really wanted to do that. Like, meh. so it was this little channel that kind of did it. And then now you're seeing the value of those things come up. I, but I want to say something about Julio. Julio had the best eye for talent, and he did this every time. He'd see a guy. Yeah. He'd see a player, I, would, I would use Stu Holden, who's now a great broadcaster, but Stu Holden was on this Houston Dynamo side, and they had four or five really good stars, and he was like an 18-year-old kid breaking in. And Julio goes, Max, that the Holden guy, He's, uh I like his game. And i like, okay. I go, ah, he didn't really stick out. Lo and behold, two years later, the guy's getting offers from the Premier League, and he's going to Bolton, and his star rockets. He did that like five times. The guy has... He should be a coach. He has an amazing eye for talent because he would watch so much footage. I haven't spoken to Julio in a minute, but it would be good. It would be good to talk to him. But uh, it's uh, that journey is amazing.
1: What was that? Chiquitito. That was his favorite. Chiquitito. Chiquitito.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He was. But that's amazing. I mean, you told in a short time what you did, but I can't even imagine how difficult it is. And I have a lot of people come up to me and tell me, how do I get in the business, man? I go, it's hard. It's. And I would, I, I probably I brought your name up a couple times for those people, and I go, this is kind of the, the sacrifices you have to make. Uh, I would always like to think a young Latino, because we're always there's diversity in this in this country. I, I'm Latino, I don't look it, so I kind of, I I stand, I count as you know uh, as white male by and large in this industry, although my paisanos are Latino across the board but i want to see latinos do well and they haven't it, they're not i'm not saying they haven't done well they're not they're not getting help where uh, maybe uh i've seen breakthroughs with african american uh on-air personalities i've seen breakthroughs with female uh on-air personalities um but latinos there has been a couple and i'm not saying that you 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 fast track them but i haven't seen anyone get fast tracked you didn't get fast tracked I mean, but there's not. Have you? Is that helped you at all?
1: It, it helps you in the. Because
0: you have to go through the Spanish, and you want to. You'd like to do stuff in English.
1: Yes, 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 and the. So Spanish you had to help. go the
0: Spanish route and to try and.
1: The Spanish world is cruel sometimes, man. The Spanish and, compa- world- and for
0: soccer, extra. Ex- it's competitive in English, but Spanish is crazy competitive.
1: Yeah, because because they feel the number one sport. They feel that if you were if you're a Latino who's born in the U.S., you're not Latino enough. Right. You, have, you hit that wall where, oh, yeah, but you're American. And then you go to you go to you're here and then you're not American enough. So you're like in the middle. So for me, I started I started developing, um, I guess, this belief or I just thought to myself, well, who am I? You know, in that question of what do I you know, what do I represent? And I figured out after a couple of years of being in D.C. that I'm I'm a Salvadoran American. I'm American, but I represent a Salvadoran culture. And all the kids like myself that came, that were born in this country because their parents immigrated to the U.S. Whether it was in the 80s or 90s, and now you're carrying that flag. You you have two flags to carry, but when it comes to this business, sometimes it could be a little bit unfair. But it all depends on how you take it. I think that it'll help you develop a stronger character. And you just keep going. Some people are not built like that. Some people are just going to quit, right? Some people are just going to give up. The minute they hit like a little bit of uh, opposition or they hit uh, an obstacle, they just give up. And they're like, I'm going to do something else. So for me, it was like, nah, I came all this way to prove a point to myself, like that I'm going to make it. And then I have to show other people that this is possible. But at the end of the day, a lot of people say they want it. A lot of people are always asking, how do I break into this business? Well, there's a lot of sacrifice, like you mentioned, and people are not willing, to, they're not willing to pay that price. And that's the reason why a lot of these kids never end up getting the opportunities they deserve. There's a lot of talent out there, but maybe you're in the wrong place where there's too many people that are already established. So it's difficult to break in.
0: Yep. I think it makes a lot of sense. And uh, I know at ESPN, a lot of times they go, oh, well, Latinos, you can go to Deportes. And I'm like, huh? Uh, and, and there was always an issue with that. And there still is. And we need a, all the, those young Latino candidates to get into the bloodstream. We always were like compartmentalized. And we did these, uh, uh, we did suffer the National Association of Hispanic Journalists. And it was like, okay, you do your thing there. And I go, no, that's not how it works. But hopefully there's some progress. And I know uh, because we were in Chicago this weekend, that's why I want to bring Moises on. I've wanted to to bring Moises on here for a bit. And uh, I'm in my CS, who is your broadcast partner. We were talking about it uh, for MLS and how you want to – Major League Soccer has a chance for growth with this Apple TV deal. So Apple TV is going off on all its devices if you get MLS season pass in Mexico, Central America, South America, everywhere – so there's an opportunity to, to win over those fans. And remember, MLS has a lot of South American players from everywhere, Central American as well as Mexican. And they're playing Mexican clubs. So there's a good opportunity. But finding the Spanish broadcasters is challenging because, you know, and Hyman made a great point. He goes, or he would say sometimes if you are a, a Mexican announcer um, and you're going out to Argentina, maybe – you know, it's not going to connect to that audience. And Argentine audience maybe not into the Mexican audience. So you can't re- it's not one size fits all. And you hope it could be, but it's just a reminder of the cultural differences all over um, the Americas, which is going to make it difficult um, because there's such a different, there's such a difference in style in the broadcast. You know, Andres Cantor is our top broadcaster and we love him here and he's an he's argentine but some people would say if he did that in argentina maybe he he, he may not be as well received it's crazy but it's and i you know you deal with that i deal with it in a, in a lesser degree not to get sidetracked um i would love to call the premier league but there's no way i they would staff me in england to do that um but that's kind of where it's at cuz we have, we all cover the same sport but the way we consume it is so very different so I don't I know how so
1: the- Yeah. Sometimes you have like announcers that you can tell where they're from. You can tell, like, oh, this guy is Mexican because they have a certain way of calling the games. And you can tell the same thing with an Argentine. Oh, he's Argentine. I can tell that, you know, he's from Argentina because of the way he calls the games. I believe this is my opinion, by the way, you have to be kind of neutral, right? You have to learn you have to learn how to neutralize where people can't really tell where you're from, and that'll help you. So uh, I think, are you gonna sneeze?
0: Yeah, I had my mic. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. I hit m- mute That's on my good. mic,
0: and then because we're on camera r- right here, and then <laughs> isn't seen. I'm trying to hold back a sneeze. So yeah, I'm good now.
1: I I, I think that I think you you, you have to neutralize. It's not a it's not an easy task, but number one thing I, I get it. Like Apple is going international. That's great. I'm I'm all for it. You know, more ears, more eyes, but the main focus should be right now this is our first year with apple by the way we have to conquer the u.s then we'll conquer everything else first we have to conquer our fans here make sure that they like the product that they're seeing because this is our league and i've said that for the past couple of years and i like i'm very hard hammering that down i have people coming up to me oh argentina brazil yeah i love that soccer you know it's great football but if you ask me, I'm like, this is our league. This is my league. I was born into this league. I've been here since year one. I was a little kid watching the LA Galaxy, DC United, the Revolution, Columbus Crew and the 10 Originals. So I feel that once we conquer this league and we're on our way there, then every everything else is going to fall into place at the same time as... People have to adapt to our style of soccer, our way of calling games, not the other way around. We don't go to Argentina and ask ask them, oh, well, we need to you need to adapt to the U.S. market. Right. We don't go to the Premier League and say, well, you have to adapt to us. They don't care. Like we just kind of trickles down. And eventually we understand Oh, That's that's England. That's the way they call it. And we consume their product every other week. I mean, every week.
0: It's a great point. It's uh yeah. You got to be honest to how we are, and I think a lot of times we change how we are, and maybe that's part of the reason we we haven't quite clicked into place. But maybe we should be stubborn about that and say, no, this is this is how we get. We are confident in the way we present this, and yeah. we're still getting. We're still fine tuning that. We, we're yeah. still we're so young, and we're still fine tuning the best way to present this product. But yeah, you got to be you got to be honest to yourself, uh, and and the draw will be there. People will say, okay, I'm watching MLS because of these players, because of these teams. But yeah, because uh, I feel comfortable with the broadcasters as well. It's a big responsibility. And that's why, you know, I've told people, uh, this is the, to be a broadcaster here, uh, it's a very, uh, it's a it's a very high-ranking position. And I put it up there against calling the big competitions around the world. And this is why, because you have this great new partner, obviously with Apple TV, but you also have this glut of games. So as a broadcaster, you're going to get all these games. You're going to get to do this League's Cup. You're going to do an expanded playoffs, and you know MLS is continuing to look for those those new avenues to make their league better and make it different, uh, where it's going to be more appealing. So, I mean, I, I would honestly say if I was offered all the leagues, and they'd say what you would do, and I know people would laugh at this, I probably would say, okay, no, I want to do MLS. Uh, the appeal of maybe doing Champions League, which, you know, Champions League comes and goes really quickly. You know, you have those six rounds, you have the knockout stages. I would want to do something regular. I could do that with the Premier League, but, uh, you know, you'd be hard-pressed. I mean, doing the Premier League would be amazing, but there's still some, there's something magical about uh, MLS, and uh, starting from this stage, knowing it's going to grow. I mean, it's it's too big to fail at this point. I mean, it's it's slow growth, but the investment and everything is there where, you know, we'll, we'll know it Moises, we might be, you know, old men in rocking chairs and this league has got the, some of the best players in the world and everyone's watching it.
1: No. And we're, that's already happening now because we're taking the best talent from some of the best countries in in the sport, you know, we're taking the best Argentines, we're taking the best Brazilians. We're taking the best Colombians. We're bringing Ecuadorians. I think my only knock on the league right now would be, we have to go back to Central America because there's more Central Americans mm-hmm. than there is South Americans here with the exception of a, a few cities around the country, right? We have a lot of talent in Central America and we have to go in and 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 see what we find there, some gems. I, I know they're... There We've gone away from that, huh? Because we were doing... Because... Really away from that. And you hear it when you speak to the fans because they'll tell you, I'm not making this up. This is not my opinion. This is what I hear from the fans. Like, what's up with the... With the Hondurans, with the Salvadorans, you know, with the Guatemalans. We used to, you know, we used to have a few of them out here. Now we rarely see any of them. We have a couple of Hondurans. We've seen a lot of Costa Ricans over the last 10 years. I mean, and I don't know how that happens, but they come out in numbers, man.
0: (laughs) Well, I know it's at at the LAFC, we have Daniel Maldonado, who's Honduran. He doesn't play a lot.
1: Yeah, man, I love him.
0: But he comes out there, but when they do something, and then they had Fito Celaya. Who didn't yeah, quite fit know, in?
1: I don't know about that one, bro. I mean, I'm not a big fan of his. I okay, don't. I'm not.
0: But I, I, this is the point I was going to make. Uh, he was a Salvadorian playmaker. He scored a couple goals, but when he was here, his jersey was the top seller, right yeah, there with yeah. Carlos Vela. Um, when they posted something, everything, everyone in El Salvador picked it up. Yeah. Same thing with yeah. Maldonado in Honduras, and they pick it up, and it would get tons of traffic. And no, all of a no.
1: sudden, but that's how you get successful, right? You go, hey. Yeah, we've- yeah. LAFC is the best team when it comes to that, hands down. There's no other team in MLS. LAFC is it. Everyone else watching, pay attention if you want to learn how to do it. Look at LAFC, Max. I'm not even an LAFC fan, but Sound I have like so, You are. I have so much, dude. I'm from the hood. That's exactly. I grew up around that neighborhood, and all my friends look. I'm wearing the colors. All my friends ask me the same stuff. They're like, Yo. It's a difficult, it's a difficult question to answer, but I have so much respect for what they're doing, for the moment they're living right now, that I feel that the league has to see, like, all right, what's working. I see other teams that do great stuff as well, but when it comes to that, you know, they got Fito Celaya. Salvadoran community around the country went nuts, even though we knew that he was not going to make it because he had a problem with fitness and he had probably probably never fit. But it just shows you the strength of the market. It's right there for the taking. And look,
0: with a, in a league where, I, I say this, every fan matters. If we go out there and someone goes, hey, I heard this game. I'm watching now. That's reason to do a backflip. Yeah. If you could do that for a community. in And we should also mention you're in D.C. And there's a lot of, it's a huge Salvadorian community. So they follow their own. And yeah. you can get a 1,000 new fans. That's a lot. Yeah. Or 2,000.
1: And they'll go to the games to watch them play.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't force it. Uh, it's, But I think there's, there's reason to develop that as well. I mean, guys, I mean we were covering this game. There's Colombians up, uh, all over the place that so we have to kind of be getting traction um, for Colombian players. And Jean Duran, the best young Colombian player, came to the MLS, was there for a year, and now is at Aston Villa. And that's kind of the pipeline they want to do. And And it was a short time. But now you have this proof of concept and that'll always be there. And the young, Amer- young Colombians, you would hope will say, well, maybe I'll go to MLS maybe to stay long-term or maybe yeah. to springboard. Probably in all likelihood. I mean, we always say that it's like, and we talk to the players and we'd be remiss if we didn't say it. And it kind of, if you're working for MLS, it kind of hurts because you say, Oh, I'll go, you have European uh, aspirations or a coach would say, you know, we had a, the coach of the Red Bull saying about one of his Colombian defenders, he has he has Europe in his future. And I'm like, we, we have to say that. And these players want to go. um, But one year, maybe the destination is MLS. We're still a ways from that. But in the meantime, everyone's aligned with that having to be the case, that, you know, this is a, a means to an end. But, you know, maybe one day you guys no, I want to go to MLS and, and stay there for 10 years. We shall see.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the hope. The other thing is that, you know, players might say, like, I have Europe, you know, on my radar, but you might not be Europe. You know, (laughs) you're not in trouble. You can say it. Yeah. I've heard a lot of players say, well, I would like to go to Europe. Yeah. Just because you want to go there doesn't mean you're going to go. I mean, you're really cutting it in MLS. So Europe (laughs) is still far, far away. And it's fine. If we could work, if we can function as a springboard for players to go to Europe, that's amazing. But not every player has the level to play in Europe, and that's the reality. And we might see a lot of these players stay here talking about, you know, what you just mentioned, Andres Reyes, Carlos Tehran from Chicago Fire. They've all mentioned that. They would like to go to Europe. I don't know if they're quite there yet, so we might have them here for a couple more seasons, which is not not a bad thing. They're going to keep growing. They're going to help the league grow, and they're going to become, you know, a household name, which is what you expect from players like that.
0: This is it. It's really interesting to see about the dynamic of Major League Soccer. And, um, you know, when Carlos Vela came, uh, part of the reason he wanted to go or when, you know, Cuauhtémoc Blanco came or some of these other players came to MLS, it was to kind of get away from the media spotlight. They wanted to be kind of left alone in their family, which is a is, is a great profile of player you want to get. You know, but I was talking to, like, we have a lot of these young South American players. They want the spotlight. They want to... They want to feel like they're star. Like I was, I was talking to a Brazilian reporter, and we were talking about, I believe it was Brenner, who went to FC Cincinnati from Sao Paulo, and now he's going. In the summer, he is going to Europe, uh, to Udinese, and he said, "Look, these guys—they are absolute rock stars. And when you're young, you want to be the rock star, right? When you're older, you want to be left alone." Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. when you're younger, you want to be the rock star. So when you think about, oh, they don't want to walk out and be harassed and sign autographs. I go, they kind of do. Maybe they don't want to do that all, but they want to. They want to feel that. They want to feel important. But why wouldn't you? I would. You want to feel like in Brazil, every footballer is like a god, and in other South American countries. So uh, that's part of it, and that's not happening in MLS, right? I mean, I, you go, you go to training facilities. There's no one peering over the fence or. Waiting outside for the cars to come out for autographs. We're we're not there yet. So these guys kind of blend in, and they're just another person. I I, I don't. That's not going to happen in MLS anytime. But I think that's. I mean, that's part of the reason they want to move on. Uh, but, but
1: does it happen in any other sport? To be honest, unless yeah. it like game day, it doesn't happen in the NFL. I, I guess mean, not. I always if... think.
0: I always think about there at, at crypto when LeBron leaves in his car. It's probably pretty smooth sailing to go home. And he's probably yeah. in traffic next to you, and you have no idea.
1: So, I mean, I think it's part of the culture in the U.S. where, like, fans are not all over you. That's good. And, yeah, they might ask you for, they might ask you for a picture here and there, but they're not swarming you like we see uh, Camp No, right? Or yeah. Ralph Madrid. I don't think it's part of the culture here, which, in a way, is kind of cool. It reminds me of the story of um Marcelo Gallardo, right? The former- Who was that? D.C. for a little... He was at DC and he would tell that story that he was here and he could go out and no one would bother him or his family. He was out at the mall eating. Yeah.
0: As long and as it- the checks clear, you're all happy.
1: Exactly. And so- that's
0: that's the thing about MLS and I don't want to pick on these some of the South Organies. The checks always
1: clear yeah the check's always clear exactly i mean it's not the story with other south american clubs or leagues where we're usually hearing stories of like oh well they haven't been paid in a month and you're like whoa okay you know
0: and then when i hear that i go man they're not gonna get that it's not like they're gonna go hey here's your pay from a month ago they go oh we've uh, that one's swept under the rug sorry uh yeah I don't, diego Valeri was saying that i remember and he's like the safety as well and um because you know some countries in latin america it's some of these players get, i you know, identified and bad things happen to them or their family. We hear it all the time. So he says, we don't have to worry about that. Um, it's good living and benefits, all that stuff, uh, which is kind of weird when you explain it to these players, because it's one of the good things. I, I, Moise, I don't want to bring in here and talk about like the benefits package of MLS, but uh, I guess I, I got there. But I mean, we we've been covering this now for like two and a half months and we have 10 match days and it's been great to be on the road i mean i i just want to hear what you thought what has stood out about mls so you know i was being getting back on the road which i haven't really done on a weekly basis and
1: oh the last time you did that
0: yeah that was like 2006
1: 2008 wow. it's been that long
0: yeah as so ESPN, been 2010 through 2018 i do some games here and there but not yeah. on a weekly basis so that was back at fox so And it's changed so much. You know, you would go to stadiums, it'd usually be pretty empty. It'd be the NFL stadium or something like that. And now I get, you know, I went to, you know, Columbus and see their new venue. It's amazing. And there's fans there and and go to Portland or uh, we went to Chicago and Soldier Fields, you know, they got to get more fans there, obviously, but it's a really good place to watch a game. It doesn't feel huge as an NFL venue does. But uh, that is really special. Seeing all the people that are involved with the league that are bringing it back, that used to play, you get to t- chat with them, whether they're coaches or administrators. It's uh, it's it's excellent. And uh, like you said, there's clubs that are trying to separate themselves from the pack, but there's, there's so many that need to kind of raise their game. I get the feeling they're going to. Uh, these clubs that don't have a, a specific stadium – they're going to have to because they will be left behind. Um, there is teams that need to invest and find partners so that they can be solvent and be successful on the field and off the field. Uh, I know that pressure is ramping up. And I hope we get more of these big star players. And you know, I'm hearing all this messy uh, discussions. I think it could. It, it seems, I, you know, I don't, if he wants a boatload of money, And I defend people that want to get more money. If someone's offering you $200, $400 million, I would take it because you can – people say you you can always – you can't have more money, right, if you're living well. I go, well, look at Ryan Reynolds. I mean, he had – went to another tax bracket, and now he gets to do this dream project with Rexham. He wouldn't be able to do that if he wasn't in that tax bracket. So more money allows you more power, and to do things hopefully good that benefit people – so I wouldn't discourage people to go to Saudi Arabia and get 200 million. I think he can't go to Barcelona because I don't think Barcelona really want, it's going to, it's, they're they developing with a new group of players. That's going to put a parking break on that. If a 36 year old player goes back there and, and you try to build around Messi, it's not going to work. Even if he wants to go, he can't go to Argentina for some of the reasons I said, it's not safe for Messi. And then I I'm left with, if it's not, if you don't want the, he's going to get good money here. It's
1: going to be the salaries or it's going to
0: be us. It has, but I think for him and for, for this, if if it's sold well, it has to be MLS.
1: Inter Miami.
0: That's what it is. I mean, that's the relationship they have those relationships with David Beckham and uh, Jorge Mas. It has, think- unless he, if he wants the money, fine. But otherwise, it has to be Inter.
1: For us? For us as play-by-play announcers, if he comes, to that that would be amazing because it would be a boom. It would be like David Beckham times five.
0: It would. I believe that. It I don't. Could, I don't think we we possibly could understand how big it would be.
1: It would skyrocket the the MLS.
0: Yeah, everyone would, would watch it. Those intergames.
1: Even people, even people who don't wanna don't they, they probably don't like soccer. They, they're gonna be at least glimpsing, seeing what is he doing? Did he score? What was his performance like? The ESPN the CVS, everybody who has a soccer focus uh, show or channel are going to be right there trying to figure out you know, what's next. And if we have him here for two years, it w- it would be amazing. Now, I think Messi comes with a lot of expectations. People think that just because it's Messi, he's supposed to win every single thing he plays in. And if he doesn't win or if he doesn't score a hat trick, it's considered a failure. So the pressure is- I don't care
0: same- as long as he's here.
1: Yeah, same. <laughs> I- I believe- I'm with you on that. I, I would say that even if he's
0: here and he's not playing, just him being here and you can say, hey, he might play this weekend, it, it's still a good enough hook and worth paying him boatloads of money.
1: Look, even right He now, doesn't play all the time. Messi's in the conversation of the greatest player of all time. I'm not going to go as far as saying that he's the best to ever do it, but he's right there. Mund Rushmore, you have him top three. He just won the World Cup. That I, I think that cemented his legacy. It's game over. We, for years, were questioning the fact whether he can win the World Cup or not. If he doesn't win the World Cup, he can be a GOAT. He can not be in that conversation. He did not just only win the World Cup. He led Argentina. He was the best player. He competed against some of the best and youngest star, Kylian Mbappé, who's the next big thing, if not already. And he performed in the best tournament, the biggest tournament in sports and he did it the way that we all wanted him to do it. So for him to come to MLS after that.
0: Right. The timing is amazing.
1: Sell out after sellout after sellout after sellout. And who knows, we might even see him in Copa America.
0: <laughs> well, that's part of it. It's this it's this cycle where Argentina and I'm gonna credit Felipe Cardenas, who had an article about this, but they Argentina is creating a, a training facility in Miami and they wanna kinda wow. bring him and this is a great opportunity for Argentine football. Yeah,
1: and everything in Argentina we is struggling. Facility, Max, we don't have a training facility for our boys in the U.S. <laughs> yet. How is Argentina just going to pop up and, and say, hey, Miami, here we come?
0: Yeah, we do Miami. Everyone wants to go to Miami. I'm the only, I'm the only fool that left Miami. But yeah. no regrets. I love L.A. If there's a Everyone's- battle of the cities, I will represent not, Los Angeles.
1: You're not in a bad place either, Max. No, I no, will- it's
0: not is small. A- I just—it's mine's a small place. It just—it's—it's it's kind of bursting at the seams because so much is happening inside this small city. But we'll see. Uh, I Moise has been great, but I wanted to—you know—before we we part ways, I want to talk about this summer. I mean, uh, I know you have your allegiance with El Salvador. Got the the gold cup. Uh, They—I I like what El Salvador's doing. I mean, they've Hugo Perez, and they're doing very well. Uh, uh, dual nationals starting to get more of those guys. I love that. There's the the heel brothers. So there's a Colombian guy who went to El Salvador, played there, had four kids and they all play for the national team.
1: Yeah. Three kids. It took us, it took some convincing, but they're there for me. If it's not El Salvador, I hope it's the U S there's no other way around this. So uh, that's who I'm rooting for. But I mean, being realistic, it would be tough to say that El Salvador has an opportunity to win the gold cup. I think right now, all eyes are on the the World Cup qualifiers. This is gonna be the World Cup for El Salvador. If they wanna make it to the World Cup, they they you know, this is it. This is their big opportunity. There's no Mexico. There's, there's
0: more bids. There's yeah
1: no U.S., there's no Canada. The best three teams in the region are out. So now you're going to perform with some teams that might be at the same level or a little bit above. But I think the Gold Cup is that stepping stone. If they can perform well, it's going to kick off the World Cup qualifiers in the right on the right foot for the El Salvador. I think they, they have the team, a young, talented team, uh, a coach with a vision like Hugo Perez. I think Hugo Perez is the guy, whether people like it or not. He knows how to work. He's done it. With the U.S., he's developed talents, and a lot of the talent that we see now on the UN, on the U.S. men's national team, the senior team, were under Hugo Perez at one given point. So, all he needed was some time to work. I think his big challenge starts this summer in the Gold Cup, and then the qualifiers. Do they have a shot? I believe they have a shot. I believe they have an opportunity. Like you mentioned, the Heel brothers, they're just coming into, into this team. Once they get settled in, if things work out the way people expect it to, I think they have a shot, and you have, for the first time in a very long time, a competitive team. We have to go back to 1998 when Osama was last, I guess, competitive enough to say they were just there outside of the World Cup. Back in 2010, they had a shot. They were in the hexagonal, but it didn't go well for them. That was also a good team. But we have to go back all the way to 1998. That's why you still hear names like Cienfuegos, Fuegos, Diaz Arce, Ronald Cerritos. And you're like, dude, that was a long time ago. That was a long time
0: I hope so. Look, uh, the World Cup in 2026 will have six, maybe seven CONCACAF teams. So based on what happened in the last cycle, that means El Salvador is probably going to make it. And they're getting better. So uh, I- I'm curious who those teams are going to be. But there's a chance – USA, Canada, Mexico are in already. And then Costa Rica, who was in, probably makes it. Honduras, Jamaica, El Salvador, maybe someone think, I, new.
1: I don't think Costa Rica makes it.
0: Wow. Well, that was six teams?
1: They don't, they don't make it because they're they're rebuilding right now. So I think wow. it's going to be difficult. Are
0: you sure? It sounds like you have an ax to grind.
1: No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, nah. I like Costa Rica a lot. <laughs> I'm just I kidding. I think they're, they're – now Honduras, same thing. And Honduras, Panama?
0: I didn't mention Panama.
1: Panama's good now yes. Panama I think is making it for sure that's true Panama has been the the national team on the rise in Central America they're right there just like outside where they don't get a lot of attention but they've been working at every single level Guatemala be careful Guatemala because they're always- yeah improvement the u20 hey man Guatemala they have a they have that thorn right they have a yeah. little thorn. I think El Salvador and is going to be right there fighting, and hopefully they come through. Now, Max, we're talking Central American teams. Don't forget about the Caribbean, man. just right.
0: Oh, well, I threw Jamaica in there, but who else? I mean, TNT's dropped.
1: Yeah, I mean they have hey, to was-
0: qualify for the Gold Cup groups. I mean they have to go. They have to play an extra game. I was. I'm intrigued about Suriname. Yes, yeah, because Suriname. they have a guy, and so Suriname's in South America, but so, you know some of these countries were not brought into the South American governing body, so they were made available to CONCACAF. It's weird. But they have a uh, Geraldo Becker, who's doing great at Union Berlin, uh, who are competing at the top of the Bundesliga. They have a couple more players, and there's a Dutch connection there. Maybe they can uh, maybe they can get a little bit better. But I'd love to see it. I'd love to see a nice balance of all the countries.
1: I think it's going to be it, man. If we're going to see a good qualifier. I think it's going to be different, but... We might see teams that have never made it to the World Cup qualify for the first time, which is the purpose of having yeah. so many national teams in a World Cup.
0: Yeah, we want. It. I mean, people go 48 teams, but go, it's happening. So uh, embrace it and then think about the opportunities that it will allow. Some countries that were really good, maybe in Europe, like Norway, that didn't qualify, they have a better shot. Remember, Italy didn't make it. So let's get them in. I'm looking forward to 48 teams. I think people will enjoy it a lot more than they think they will. Moises Linares. On the Apple TV, and we covered a lot of ground. We have to pick this up because I think we had left a lot on the our plate still. But uh, I've taken enough of your time, man. But great to chat with you. And um, I need to read your book at some point.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I'm going to shoot you a book, actually. You need to read it so you can find okay. yourself a book. Okay, the- good.
0: And I'm going to read that. Uh, and I'll I'll start cracking on my uh, on a book idea. I think it would be good for my mind, body, and soul.
1: Do it. I'm here for you, man. Anything you need, let me know
0: good man moises is without question one of the really really good dudes in this business who worked i hope if some if someone's listening and looking to take that path this is a a great example to follow and a reminder that there it's it's there's no easy way to get there uh and keep working real hard you're out of the business and we'll be back with stoppage time i'm going to talk about what was a really rough few days for our americans abroad I'm now for stoppage time, and uh, being the bearer of bad news, wish I didn't have to say this. I was going to hold off on talking about this for a couple of weeks, hoping that it would get better. But it's actually gotten worse. And then when Brian Sharetta, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago, tweets about it, uh, then uh, I know it's 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 out there, and we should address it because we want things to get better. Uh. We want things to get better for next season, which we certainly hope they will be able to do. But uh, Brian said, I'm struggling to think of a worse weekend for Americans abroad. This has been horribly, this has been horrible nearly across the board. And it sure was. Highlighted by some really bad injuries. Tim Ream breaking his arm. Cameron Carter Vickers wear and tear out for the season. Malik Tillman dealing with a big injury probably out as well. This is going to affect their participation on the international stage this summer which is here we're in may now and we have very few redeeming stories out there and remember this was in comparison it was one great story after the other we had like 12 guys in the group stages of the champions league we would have we'd have to compete to see which game we would watch because there were americans everywhere and they have consolidated on some clubs and things have gone poorly. The reason for that is, you know, maybe bad, uh, you know, representation or bad advice. Uh, every, it feels like everyone's at the wrong club right now. And I don't want to diminish the players. I know we have the talented guys, but I want to focus on the golden generation of our, our team, um, which I, I have a list of 10 guys that are on that list. And there's another group right after this, which is not quite golden, but they're getting there. And there's very few good su- success stories about him. And then that, with the injuries, with guys not playing that were regular, like Joe Scally's on the bench. I go, what? Good old, reliable Joe Scally? He was always in the starting 11 for Borussia Mönchengladbach. So we got to fix this. And I'll tell you this. I'll preface this by starting. There is some good news here. It's happening now. It didn't happen last year for the World Cup. We didn't have this rash of injuries, which would have been horrible to not have... <clears throat> Imagine now last year, not having Tim Ream, woof, not having Cameron Carter-Vickers, not having Tyler Adams. It would have been, uh, it would have changed. I don't think we'd get out of the group. We needed those guys, uh, specifically Ream and Adams. And there are some other injuries as well, but the guy's not playing a lot. Even Tim Weah, who was connected, we had great news. He's going to possibly Marseille, but now he's stuck on the little bench. Guys nosediving in the championship. I tweeted a while back about how the championship... We might have two Americans getting promoted. Best case scenario, we're going to have one. And it's probably going to be a keeper. It's going to be either Zach Steffen or uh, Ethan Horvath. And I don't want to say anything about keepers, but we want to see our field players in the Premier League so they can really be tested. And who knows if Luton Town or Borough go up if they don't get a different keeper. So... It is uh, again. It's not guaranteed that either one comes up. They have to go through the playoff. So we might have a glut if Leeds get relegated, which I talked about. We might have a glut of Americans, and we don't want to be the the, the the championship, the league of record for American players. We got to find Leeds. Maybe it's not the Premier League. You know, we'll have some guys in the Champions League that are doing well. You know, Mark McKenzie comes to mind, but maybe he he moves on from Belgian football. But maybe those smaller leagues, playing for really good teams in those smaller leagues is where it's at. Belgium's probably a little too small for some of these guys in the golden generation. Uh, you know, Sergio Dest just disappeared. Now there may be a loan for Union Berlin. Hopefully that works out. But we thought it was going to work out at Milan. They don't want him. So uh, the good news is it's happening now. It didn't happen last year. And it's not happening ne- next year, which is going to be very busy. And I think we need... Uh, a better situation and we'll get there and certainly we're glad it's not happening closer to the next world cup but it might because we need to fix we need to get this right can't be in these situations this is the list of the players in my golden generation Christian Pulisic Gio Reyna Tyler Adams Weston McKinney Serginio Dest Yunus Musa, Josh Sargent Tim Weah I'm going to include Luca De La Torre and Anthony Robinson and of those 10 players the only one that you can really be happy about is De La Torre Polisic isn't playing. Uh, he might play on Tuesday. I'm recording this on a Tuesday. is not playing. He's going to maybe get a German champion, Bundesliga shield. But he played nine minutes. That's the most he's played in a, in a long time. He's not in the inner circle. Tyler Adams injured. Weston McKinney out of place at Leeds, although he is playing. Sergio Dest uh, in, <laughs> in purgatory. Eunice Musa dealing with relegation fears for Valencia. He's got to get out of there. Josh Sargent at Norwich. Scored a goal this weekend, but they have plummeted. We talked about Weah. Anthony Robinson's a bright spot, too. We should include that. The next group of guys, Brendan Aronson, Mark McKenzie, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Ricardo Pepe, Haji Wright, and then maybe Zach Steffen. And those guys have been okay, um, but that's not their top tier. What about the next group that comes after them? Are there some good young players to get excited about? Well, maybe the younger Aronson. Maybe some MLS-based guys that'll eventually make the move. Like I got to see Brian Gutierrez, who's really nice at Chicago Fire. Maybe someone from that Philadelphia Academy. Um, but no one like a Pulisic or Reyna. But even a guy like Taylor Booth is now struggling to get minutes. It's been very difficult. at uh, see how quickly this is gone. we got to take care of the big two, or the big three. Dest has got to get minutes. And Polisic uh, and then, you know, Mauricio Pochettino has been mentioned about coming into the job at at Leeds, I mean, pardon me, at Chelsea, and he says he wants Pulisic to stay, which is such a mind mess. I was going to use the other word, but it's like it with, with Chelsea, you know, and there's talks of Neymar going there. I mean, where, where is Pulisic going to play? He needs a fresh start. As, as great as it is to play in Chelsea there in West London. Gio Reyna, I I... I he gets leapfrogged by so many players at Dortmund. You know, uh, Karim Adeyemi and Daniel Malin and obviously Julian Brunt, who's ahead of him as is. Um, it's pretty rigid for him there. They obviously like him, but he's just a luxury player who's gotten some goals from him in key spots, but he needs to be a featured player. So maybe Dortmund's not for him. The Leeds United situation is, is dire. I mean, because they need to get a win here, but I, I just don't see it. They get they're they're getting pummeled, and they're, they're they're talking about bringing Big Sam Allardyce. Why is that the English reaction for everything? Big Sam will fix it And by the way, Big Sam doesn't fix it. Last time he came in to re, to to rescue West Brom, they went horribly wrong. So this guy who comes in and plays defensive tactics will fix it. That's not that's an antiquated philosophy. The folks in England, I mean, they're, they're, oh yeah, and everyone goes, oh yeah, Big Sam, yeah, yeah, and Sean Dyche to a lesser degree. Although Sean Dyche, I think, is a better manager with a, a more a better recent track record. Uh, but by the way, English managers, I mean, this they're on the endangered list. The only place where English managers are getting work is in Major League Soccer. So, and English folks in general. So maybe that's a good thing for us. Maybe we have to uh, adopt the English uh, uh, managers and uh, and executives. And use them here because they're not getting work in England. So the injuries are bad. Um, this is this is tough. It's just tough, and we got to be patient. But this off is going to be huge. It's going to be huge. I mean, Eunice Musa will leave if certainly Valencia goes. But we want him to get out of there, even though he's he's playing for them. But it's it's tricky. Go to my YouTube. I'll have more details on this. Uh, it's just to put it out there, right? It's just to put it out there so that we are aware of it. The Soccer OG, rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the time you take to listen to it. It means the world to me, and I know we're getting people to listen to it all over the world, and I'm eternally grateful. We'll be back again next week with more great guests and more great commentary. Until then, Placido Domingo.